Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady back. She is the, the she's the spokesperson for DFIPolicy.org. What is the actual organization, Angela? It's called the Defense of Freedom Institute for Policy Studies, and it stands up for civil rights and education. And it's Angela Morabito. You're the former um, assistant press secretary, or were you the press secretary for the Department of Ed? I was the press secretary. Okay, so I'm going to start here. By the way, good to see you. Thanks for coming back on. And the story we're going to get into is going to make people mad, which is what I like doing, because I want pe- when people are mad, they actually step up their game and they complain and get something done. But I want to start with a, with a question that I've had for a long time that I don't think I've asked you before. Jimmy Carter decided there should be a Department of Education. I don't think there should be. It's $60 billion plus every year, and central government gets to control what my kids do and don't learn in a school that I'm forced to pay for. Do you think there should be a Department of Education? I don't think so. Yeah. We're about to talk about disbanding one small, tiny piece of the Department of Ed, but I think the real answer is to disband the whole thing altogether and return control over education back to states and districts, and most importantly, to families where it belongs. It's compulsory. We have to pay for it. My property taxes pay for the buildings and pay for the stuff and pay for the, the curriculum, yet there's usually a board of five to ten people that get to make every decision, and they can cram anything down our throats that we want, and we've seen where Youngkin won in Virginia because Terry McAuliffe said parents have no say. Parents said, oh, yes, we do. And that tends to be more of a bluish state these days. And still you had Youngkin win. You had the in, in Loudoun County, also in Virginia, you had a school board um, make police take a guy away who was telling the truth about his daughter being sexually assaulted and parents are rising up and they want to be heard. Why would we ever have one central location that gets to decide, here's what's going on and then we'll feed these school boards exactly what curriculum there should be? We should be involved from day one. When I was a kid, my parents were involved. That's right. And we're seeing more and more parents get involved now because they realize, wait a second, I just can't put my child on a school bus and expect them to get a quality education. They may get some top-notch indoctrination, but you may get a child at the end of that who doesn't know algebra, who doesn't have the basics of reading, who doesn't know how to write. The schools have so, so badly missed the mark. And I think the biggest case to be made against the Department of Ed is you look at you know, when this department started, it was there to help close the achievement gap. Yes. 
since then, it hasn't really moved the needle. And in many cases, the achievement gap has gotten worse because you've got these kids who are stuck in failing schools, trapped there by the teachers unions, who their results just keep coming worse and worse and worse. Meanwhile, those those who can, those who are able to get into decent schools continue to do OK. I couldn't agree with you more. I think the, I think the gap has gotten worse. And when we say uh, that the gap is still there, what the left knee-jerk reaction says, well, it's because of white supremacy or the white educational system, and it's unfair to minorities and so on and so forth. That's not true. The public schools in some of these neighborhoods just suck, and we need them to get better. In fact, I think you agree with me that school choice would force the public schools to get better because now if you've got a neighborhood where the education level is pretty low, maybe it's low income, maybe the property taxes aren't enough to make a nice school. If you give them the opportunity to go to private or charter schools, the public school has to necessarily get better, doesn't it? That's exactly right. This is competition and the free market in action. Not that education would be an entirely free market all the time, right. but that principle of competition still holds true. Where right now, the teachers unions love their monopolies where they've got them. They love being the only game in town. And this is why they fight education freedom so hard is because they know when parents have a choice, they will often choose to take their kids elsewhere. And we just saw this happen in Arizona, which recently opened up a universal school choice. I hope every other state follows suit sooner rather than later. Yeah. And what happened after Arizona made that move was that applications for, for these school choice programs went through the roof. So the parental demand is certainly there. It is, and the parents do want to get involved. It used to be my parents would work with the teachers and the faculty to make sure that I got a really good education, that I would become a productive member of society. There's more an animosity-based relationship now in many school districts, and we have to turn that around. How do we do that? It all starts with the parents, and it all starts at the level of the individual classroom inside the individual school. There is no big government solution for education. I think we agree that that's part of why this department has just got to go. Yes. But what matters is a parent who stands over a child's shoulder and says, sound out these words, or here's how you do your multiplication tables, and teachers who do the same. So at its core, the relationship between parents and teachers should be teamwork. I yes. was lucky in that, you know, I had parents who were super involved. I had some amazing teachers. And I'm also the proud graduate of a public charter high school that I was able to go to because my parents were able to, to live in, in the footprint of that school. We right. were very fortunate to have a choice that so many other families do not have. So turning the tide has to be these individual relationships that work toward the benefit of the child. I would hate to see this big conservative swing in education end up with teachers are the enemy because they're not. There are some really bad teachers out there and they shouldn't be in front of a classroom. Right. But most teachers are there because they want to help kids learn. And it's bureaucracy that has tied their hands with a red tape and is forcing them to teach things that they either don't believe in or that aren't productive to their students. She's the former press secretary for the Department of Education, now a spokesperson person for dfipolicy.org. It's Angela Morabito. Miguel Cardona is the current education secretary. He convened some sort of a board and parents had a fit. And instead of adjusting it and, and talking with them and, and getting together and convening with them, what, what he did was, eh, let's just not do the board. What was this board supposed to do? What was it called? It was called the National Parents and Families Engagement Council. Okay. And that name sounds good. good to me, right? It, it sounded great to a lot of people. And if you just read the press release, you could certainly be forgiven for thinking, oh, finally, they're listening to parents. Finally, they are paying attention to people whose, whose voices really matter here. And that's the families and their students. 
That is not at all what this board did. Uh, Secretary Cardona managed to completely stack the deck with yes men who would rubber stamp any sort of progressive proposal he would put in front of them. Something like 80% of the heads of these organizations were donors to Democratic candidates. (laughs) Right. This thing was political from the start. And that's why it was actually illegal under the Federal Advisory Committees Act. It says that these committees need to have a fair representation of viewpoints. This one totally didn't. This one was just way off the mark. So a handful of parents groups sued to get this thing either revamped or disbanded altogether. And the Biden administration said, "Okay, well, in exchange for dropping your lawsuit, we will drop the council altogether rather than invite any conservatives into the conversation. So now there is not a national parents and families engagement council simply because they didn't want to make it even. You know, it reminds me of what's happening with Twitter. And I don't know if you're as involved in this as I am. We're both on Twitter. We follow each other. Go follow Angela over there. Um, it's Angela L. Morabito, right? If they want to follow you there. That's right. Okay. So, um, I, I've been watching this and the left is freaking out. They're pulling their hair out. They're running around there with, with, with just steam coming out of their ears because they don't have the unfair advantage anymore. It, it need, it, all, all Elon Musk, he did not give conservatives the advantage. What he said was, why don't we just go into the game with a level playing field? And that makes sense to me. That's really all parents wanted here, right? They just wanted a level playing field. Let's make sure we have ideas from everybody. Exactly. And I think you've touched on something really important here that the people who claim to be, you know, upholding what's good in education or upholding what worked for Twitter, they're not upholding anything but a purposefully uneven playing field. And when somebody decides to take their thumb off the scale like Elon Musk or like what it would be to actually uh, open up more voices into the education conversation, they say, oh, wait a second, we can't handle that. I'm out. It tells you how weak their arguments are that they're not willing to have those arguments challenged. Yeah, what's interesting is I don't know what the education secretary is supposed to do. I had Betsy DeVos on when she was the ed secretary. I'm guessing you were her press secretary, right? I was. I had the honor of serving uh, her She's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. But she was attacked every single day uh, because she believed in charter schools and school choice and so on. But I thought she did a very good job. But I honestly, I'm not, not being coy here. I don't know what that job is supposed to do. So far, Miguel Cardona, for me, has only stood next to Biden when he said he was going to give back, he was going to free people from their college loans, which he couldn't do. It was illegal, and they're not going to end up doing that. They lied to, to win the election. And then I've also seen, seen him take uh, pictures with photo ops with children who were all masked up, and he didn't have a mask on. What is the job supposed to be? Well, the ideal education secretary is somebody who's trying to work themselves out of a job, just like Secretary DeVos did. She was trying to make sure that power in education got back into the hands of parents who know what's best for their students. But what this education secretary is doing is actually trying to corral more power for himself and for the federal government. We see this with him trying to nationalize student loans. We see this with them not making the changes that need to be made in the wake of absolutely devastating test scores. If those test scores weren't a wake up for the federal education department, I don't know what is. And we also see him trying to just, you know, collect more power at the federal level through what they're doing with Title IX, which would actually force schools to treat students in line with their gender identity instead of their biological sex. They are trying to redefine the word sex in federal law, and that is just such a crazy overreach that's going to be a real disservice to students. I'm much older than you. You appear to be like 22. I'm 56. Um, I remember when Title IX came about, and I, I remember talking to my PE teacher, who was a female, and they were all, I heard her talking to another teacher about Title IX. I was just a little kid. 
Um, but I said, can you just tell me what that is? Because I've always been very inquisitive. And she explained, we just want to make sure that girls have similar opportunities as boys have right now. It's a little bit unfair. And to me, a little boy, I said, yeah, that makes sense. Girls should have the same opportunities. I'm down for that. But you just hit on something that is so key and is so, um, I think, indicative of the woke culture in which we live. They're trying to say that that Title IX, the one that I learned about in the early 1970s as a little boy, seven, eight years old, um, now somehow opens up the lines for males, and I'm not going to say biological, a male is a male, males to now compete against females and pretend that they're females. Well, Angela, why does somebody want that? Because this title literally was to ensure girls had opportunity. Why give a boy the opportunity a girl is getting? It's just absurd. And they are trying to sacrifice women's rights in favor of wokeness exactly. and, a, and a virtue signaling. It's really sad. Uh, first of all, I do have to say I am most certainly not 22 years old, <laughs> but I love that you think that. I appreciate it. The, you bet. Skin, the skincare is working. Uh, so thank you. But to, to the larger point, this is about buying into a progressive fiction that anybody can be whatever they identify as and the rest of the world just has to deal with it. Right. And it's actually bigger than women's sports. This is about who gets to be whose roommate in college dorms. This is about who uses whose restrooms and locker rooms. Yes. And you're right, the initial uh, push between Title IX was to make sure that education was free from discrimination on the basis of sex. Yes. But now we have these progressives who are running the show up in D.C., and they would prefer to weaponize Title IX so they can discriminate on the basis of who identifies it, in what way that anybody can just show up and identify as a woman and take a spot that was there for a biological woman. Yes, no, exactly right. And the thing is, because we're saying what we're saying, there are those who are behind this push to have men or boys compete against girls or women. They'll now say that we're something a phobe or we're something ist, which is ridiculous. I think more voices like ours need to be heard. And I think the vast majority agree, even Caitlyn Jenner agrees, that, that males should not be competing against females because it's, it's biologically unfair, and it takes away opportunities that girls or, or, or women would otherwise have. It's Angela Morabito. She is a spokes, uh, spokesperson for DFIPolicy.org, DFIPolicy.org. You brought up test scores, and I want to go back to that in a second, or for a second, because a lot of times when I bring up education, people will call in and say, what do I do then, Pags? Because people don't, teachers allege they don't want to teach to a test. But if we don't test, we don't know where, where somebody's level is and whether he or she is ready to move on to the next grade or move on to the next level. So what do we do? If we do standardized testing, we're bad because we're doing standardized testing. We don't do it and we're passing people and then they can't be productive members of society. That's a problem as well. What do we do? We have to right-size the role of standardized testing okay. in education. I teach to the test is nobody's favorite thing, but if you don't have a test, so many teachers are going to teach to the nothing. And this yeah. is why we need things like the nation's report card to take a snapshot of how kids are doing. I don't believe in having you know a month's worth of standardized testing in school. That's actually a waste of really valuable time that Agreed. we can see kids desperately need to be spent on the educational basics. But at the same time, we do need some standardized testing. And it's incredibly telling just that the teachers unions will uh, go, go wild trying to prevent uh, students from being measured on an academic standard. Uh, last summer, both of the major teachers unions voted on resolutions to try and get rid of standardized testing to whatever extent they can in the schools because they know the results are terrible. They know those results 
are just indefensible. So they would prefer to hide them, just cover up the terrible performance rather than let us see it so we can actually respond to it. It's a great answer. And and I believe, and you didn't say this, I did, that the teachers unions don't want us to know uh, the actual percentage of students that are not ingesting and keeping and wholly retaining what they're teaching. I think that they want to pass somebody. If you write your name down right, some teachers are giving 50% already on the score. You get a few more right and you're going to be passed to the next grade. You might not be able to read you know, up to that level of the next grade. So how do we fix it? You and I agree with what you just said. Absolutely. So how do we fix it? When I was growing up, and again, way before you, um, my teachers were able to to dress up as Shakespeare and, and act out the play. Now you have these teachers who are dealing with all this stress of, I must have here in Texas the star test. I must have a certain number of uh, you know uh, students that, that pass this. And if I don't, then I might look like I'm failing as a teacher. W- what do you do? How do you, how do you fix this? Because it seems like we've gone down a long road here that's hard to come back from. There is no one silver bullet strategy here, but the best thing we can do starts at the kitchen table, and that's parents realizing that they are their children's first and best teachers. So if your child can't read, you've got to step up for for that child, and that means also involving the school. This has to be a team effort instead of, you know, the sort of antagonism that I think uh, far too many people are falling into. There's also the issue of academic standards. So standards have been on just a downward spiral for decades because politicians love to point to a graduation rate and say, look, you know, 98% of our kids are graduating. Isn't that all well and good? It is until those diplomas are basically paper participation trophies that don't actually signify it. And they can't get a job. They can't support themselves and their families. And they're wondering why. Or they take the job and don't understand, you know, what abilities they needed to learn about task management and about, you know, having integrity when you're at work. All of this has to be fixed. So one last question for Angela Morabito. She, again, is a spokesperson for uh, education policy strategist as well. Former press secretary for the Ed Department. DFIPolicy.org is the website. And go follow her on Twitter. Uh, The last question question has to be this. People throw their hands up and say, look, we've gone down this very, very strange road. We've got drag queens reading to kids at story time in public schools. Doesn't make any sense. But what can I do about it? What can they do about it? What's the one thing that you would like to leave them with today that they can do to, to help make the public schools more like it was when I went to public school? It all starts with awareness. So that is step one of know what your child is learning in school and what they're not learning in school. Uh, Step two is actually acting on that awareness. And that could be as simple as taking some extra time to read with your child every night. It can be as simple as making sure you look through what is in those textbooks that come home in their backpack to make sure they're actually being taught the truth. It can be as simple as going in front of your school board and demanding more transparency. So the action for every parent is going to look a a little bit different, but there is an action that every parent could take. And I would encourage everyone, uh, thank you, Joe, as you just mentioned, to go follow DFI Policy on Twitter. We are sharing all kinds of news about the assault on civil rights and education and how parents can counter those issues as they come up in the news. Make that happen. DFIPolicy.org. Go follow DFI Policy on Twitter. Follow Angela on Twitter. Angela, thanks a million. Let's do this again very soon. I always love the information. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you having me. You're welcome. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Appreciate you stopping by. 
Joe Pag Show, 888 Actually, I don't have time for those. Just pop one. Whoop! Paul, what you got? So have you seen this story about these um, these news anchors from Good Morning America? I did. It turns out there's something going on there. Yeah, I guess they, they were having an, an affair, relationship, whatever you want to call it. And apparently, uh, ABC is, is taking them off the air, pending an internal review to see, I guess, if there was anything that was happening that was illegal. It's just crazy. All things kind of a mess. We got to go. That's Polo. That's Sam. I'm Joe. That's Carrie. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show. <laughs>